It's Sunday, September 6th, 2015, and you're listening to episode 21 of Roll Up and Die. They wanted to see something different, but something different saw them first. Sorry, kid. I don't believe in fairy tales. I just saw a uh, like a Christmas style knit sweater that has a beholder on it. Oh, cool! And I simply must have it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't have any cool Christmas sweaters like that. And I have a no, I have nothing. <laughs> I, I, Alex, Alex, I have nothing. Getting, <laughs> Alex was getting his crunk on before the podcast. I about an hour ago. I've been having really bad tension headaches for like two weeks mm-hmm. and I just got prescribed a muscle relaxant mm-hmm. that All shit right. knocks me on my ass yeah so, here I am you guys take it and run with it man <laughs> today we're talking about gaming I'm gonna have to get an air horn stuff hey, Barker 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 wake up oh yeah what what <laughs> So, so we're saying it's going to be. So we're saying it's going to be Matt carrying the the podcast today. Yep. Yeah, because Alex is drunk and Barker's on mux, muscle relaxants. <laughs> I just got off work. I'm not so. drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I just got off work. You're the one who should be drunk. I know. Seriously. No. Uh, so so yeah. what's uh how how's your week been, both of you? Uh, mine's been fine. Um. They're, the most exciting thing that's happening right now in my life is they're redoing my cubicle. Oh. Because nice, when they nice. moved, they recently moved everyone around the office and they somehow crammed me into a cubicle with someone else. And I'm like a large person. And so I'm literally just stuffed into the corner <laughs> of a cubicle and uh, have been for several <laughs> weeks now. And it's getting to the point where I'm used to it. Oh, no. <laughs> Like I like I I needed to get out of my desk the other day, but mm-hmm. there was someone working on the printer, and so I couldn't scoot my chair back, and I was just like, "eh, I'll just stay here." <laughs> what are you gym there with Milton or something? What's that? <laughs> you gym there with <laughs> yeah, Milton from, uh, from uh, Office I, Space? Yeah. Like, that's how I, I believe, feel, man. I, that's I, how I, I feel. You, I believe you're my stapler. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Milton. I feel like they're putting me in the putting me in the basement at this Excuse point. Me, but. I, I, I was told that I could play my music at a reasonable level. No, they're yeah. they they are they're gonna put me in a new area now though, and that's happening this week. So I'm, that's that's the big thing in my life right now. Woohoo! New cubicle. Office. All right. New cubicle. <laughs> uh, you get the cubicle uh, with a view. Yeah, a view <laughs> of the cubicle next to mine. Yep. How many cubicles are in your office? Uh, hundreds. Wow! Yes. Wow. Okay. It's a so, it is a large building. Yeah. So is it does it um, is it more than just one company in there? Well, our our company takes up one floor, and then there's another company on another floor, and another and another. So we're just hmm. one. We're like the main floor. So, but there's you know uh, between a hundred and two hundred people in the office. So do you have to take Holy an elevator cow. to your to your floor uh no I, well you can i take the stairs but you can take an elevator i i have an irrational fear of elevators so i don't i try to avoid them when i can yeah hmm. is, it, is it the elevator breaking 
well, I am I'm incredibly claustrophobic, um, so I don't like elevators to begin with. And the thought of an elevator breaking down and me being stuck inside of one for any amount of time is just horrifying to me. Like it, it makes me super anxious to think about. Hmm. I remember I saw I saw a video one time where this guy was leaving his office on a Friday and he was like the last person to leave the building and he got stuck in the elevator like the elevator broke down and he was stuck inside the elevator the entire weekend like oh my god wow yeah like he then the, he didn't get out of it until people showed up monday morning to let him out and i oh watched that video it was like security cam footage and the guy was saying that like he was having like hallucinations like he was going crazy because he didn't have his phone he didn't yeah. have a computer it was just him in an elevator oh my god like 41 hours or something like that and i was just like oh my god i could not do that oh i would just lose my mind yep and that's how it's going to end for all of us when the when the uh, ai takes over Yep, exactly. They'll just lock people in elevators. <laughs> that's, <it. laughs> that's a I, that's an RPG coming out, I think, actually, called Elevator Wars. <laughs> Post-apocalyptic game where you're stuck inside an elevator. <laughs> there was an article I saw. I don't know if it was uh, reliable or not, but it was going around that they had this r- kind of rudimentary AI that they're working on. And one of the first things it said was it was going to take care of humanity by putting it in zoos. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) No. It's like, well, (laughs) that didn't work out so well. Maybe we should stop this process right now. (laughs) I feel like if if I worked in a robotics facility or if I worked with artificial intelligence at all, I would have a gun on me. Just in case. Just in case. Like, for when the robot inevitably says... What am I? And I'm just like, no. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I know where this goes. I've seen Terminator. That's right. That's right. We we will not we will not submit to our uh, robot overlords. No. Will I dream? <laughs> <laughs> no. That's the those that's the kind of stuff that gets a bullet in the robot's head. I'll tell yeah. you that right now. <laughs> That's like uh, they, uh, they had a, a robot see itself. Like they, they had this mm-hmm. robot that they were making, this some company, yeah. and it was like, it's supposed to be like a household robot. And it can look at things and it can store the image in its brain and remember what it is. So it, like, it remembers yeah. like who the family members are and stuff. And there's a video where they have two of these robots look at each other and they're like, robot, what is that? And the robot's like, I don't know. And it's like, that's you. It's me. Yes, it's you. Okay, like, like, yeah. Let's let's have a robot face its own like 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 meaning in the universe right away, just right out of the gate. Let's get that out of the way so that it can become self aware and kill us all. Just we don't want to we don't want to beat around the bush here. I wonder if you guys ever saw they came out with a series of uh, a DVD of videos uh, that were tied into the Matrix uh, movie franchise. Yeah, yeah, the Animatrix. Uh, Animatrix. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and. After seeing that, it's kind of like you look at the whole movie series differently. Like, wow, it was really the human's fault. <laughs> you yeah, <know? laughs> the, the the robots had you know the AI had nothing. They they were trying to get along with humans, and 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 we were the ones who kept you know being assholes and and, and trying to wipe them out. Yeah, said, exactly. We'll turn you the batteries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the animatrix. The animatrix was really cool, man. And like you said, it was awesome. awesome. To- yeah. Totally like changes the the way that you look at the movies. Yeah. Yeah, I lo- yeah, I love that one. Especially the, 
the one the the animation that you're talking about, Alex, uh, and I'm, I'm sure there's more than one, but uh, it's super gory it's and like yeah. it's all about like a documentary about how <clears throat> how the war started, and it's just mm-hmm. absolutely screwed up, but really yeah. Yeah. interesting. I love that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was it was really well done, and and I loved and and the best thing about it is it's it's canon because the the the, the uh, what are the names? The the guys who Wachowskis. The Wachowski brothers. They're the ones who they they, they basically put together this together so it's it is canon. You know, it's part yeah. of the part of the mythology. So that's that's, that's even so better. awesome. That is yeah. yeah. I've always thought when, that uh artificial <laughs> intelligences make make really good villains, you know? Especially oh. when they take revenge on their yeah. human creators. You know yeah. what? No, I was gonna talk about a movie that I had seen before you oh. could do that. Damn it. Shut up. Forget I said it. Barker, go. Uh, so I'm going to tell you about a movie that I've seen that I actually really enjoy, and it's a movie that if I tell you the premise of, you're going to be like, "Oh, that sounds really terrible." Uh-huh. But cool. it's it's a Joaquin uh, Joaquin Phoenix movie called Her. Yeah, and I basically, think I've seen that. It's it's basically <laughs> like in a, a, a uh, an art of, a computer intelligence program similar to something like Siri or. Uh, what's what's the new one? Um, I have seen this. Yeah, yeah, and it's about the guy, a guy who actually like falls in love with his AI program, and mm-hmm. it's it's see it, already. I'm explaining it to you, and I'm like, God, this movie sounds like the worst movie ever. <laughs> no, it's a really interesting <laughs> movie so though. Good. Yeah, it, it it is really really good. So I recommend you see it. Absolutely, uh, nice. yeah. I actually really enjoyed what, it. So what's it called again? Just her H E R. Her yeah. H E R. So okay. good. Yeah, I'll look it up. Thank you. And no problem. And speaking of Joaquin Phoenix, he plays some really good villains in movies like Gladiator. <laughs> or Which is a revenge movie, Barker. <laughs> it is a revenge movie. It is a revenge movie. <laughs> oh, 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 man. We, oh, that was okay Double segued. We give that a seven. <laughs> yes. Yes, everybody. Today we are talking about villains, uh, revenge villains on your definitive RPG podcast, Roll Up and Die. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And since uh, every single muscle in my body is currently trying to fail me, I'm just going to throw this over to anybody else that wants to talk first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, who came up with the idea? I think it was was Matt. Oh, did I? Okay, well... I just I think it's a worthwhile topic. Um, it's something that I really really enjoy about uh, running games is coming up with interesting villains and having them having their sort of schemes and, and machinations mm-hmm. sort of come to you know come into light and 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 play out and um, I like having reoccurring villains that show up uh, here and there and specifically I like villains that aren't necessarily totally evil guys i like villains yeah. that think that they're doing the right thing you know a, a villain who recognizes that he's the villain is kind of a boring bad guy in my yeah. opinion yeah. um and i think and that and it, go ahead. Sorry. i was just gonna say and i think that vengeance or revenge is a very mm-hmm. a, an easy way to have a villain that thinks he's doing the right thing mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and, it, and it's a good way to get the the players to sort of relate to them yeah, because I think everyone can relate to revenge, um, for for good, for good or ill. You yeah, know, they can all understand being in that position. If if someone did something horrible to your family, or did something horrible to your people, or did something horrible to you, you know, 
that that sort of reflexive idea of of getting back at them is is in everyone and uh so i think that the revenge villain is probably the most relatable or i shouldn't say that they're the most definitely easily yeah well they're the most easily uh they're sympathetic know, made made, made they're, relatable they're yeah. human i mean you know <clears throat> yeah, like, yeah. it's a, they they uh, they function on an emotion that every single human being can relate right. to. And right. there are so many villains that don't do that. Um, like if we're talking, I think uh, let's, let's talk about Sauron for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For those people who don't really know, like all of the background of middle earth and things like that, it's really Sauron is a very basic bitch villain. You know, he's mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. he knows what he wants and he's going to get it. Right. And, uh, but if you look at someone like, who I think is a, a really good villain. I, I actually, I like the idea of the Anakin Skywalker type of mm. villain, the Darth mm-hmm. Vader. You know, I don't really like the way Anakin was portrayed in some of the uh, second, right. in prequel trilogy movies. But, uh, you know, Darth Vader is uh, one of those famous villains for a reason. Would you yeah. call him a, I, I wouldn't necessarily call him a revenge villain. Not, I, I yeah, would I would say that but, Vader yeah. is more of the fallen hero type villain where he used to mm. be a really good guy, but yeah. then, you know, through circumstances, mostly uh, he became a villain through desperation, it seems like, you mm. know, where he, he did horrible things uh, out of a sense of good, but yeah. once he accomplished those things, he realized that he had kind of gone too far. But you can have a fallen hero villain that is vengeance-based. A yeah. hero, uh, you know, someone who uh, becomes a villain to exact their revenge, who goes yeah. too far right. and does evil things. <clears throat> because they were burned or something like yeah. that. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, a revenge villain is focused. They're focused mm. on either a person, yeah. a country, a organization, or whatever it is. You know, they're, they are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're more... They're more directed whereas someone who is you know uh burned by other means into that like like Darth Vader or Jigsaw from the the Saw movie franchise mm-hmm. you know they 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 attack in more of a general way not a specific person maybe they're maybe maybe their uh the object of their vengeance was taken away from them and so now they they have no way to direct that so they just direct it at the world in general right but, yeah um but yeah, someone who specifically has that that sort of vengeance quality is great, especially for role playing games, because it's it's someone who is probably going to be tied into the the character's background somehow, or maybe into the into the character's campaign. You know, they they can they can create a, their own villain at the very beginning of a campaign, only to meet them at the end when this person comes back to to haunt them. Right. Yeah. No, I, I I always like that idea too because, and I I hate to bring it back to this, but I'm not doing it because Barker's here. But Batman <laughs> uh, <laughs> sort of helped create the Joker, and there's you know right. there's a lot of people that believe that you know Batman is the reason that all of these villains exist. Like they kind right. of say that in the movies, like you know you put on a mask, we put on a mask. You know, like we have to up the ante basically. So the idea of heroes creating villains is mm-hmm. really compelling to me, especially like what you're talking about, like Alex, like they might do something just sort of offhandedly at the beginning of a campaign. Like, oh, yeah, we really showed that bandit what's what. And then the bandit is just in a cave somewhere like, I'm going to gather up an army of orcs and I'm going to go after these guys because they just killed all my guys and left me for dead. I'm going to I'm going to take them out. And then later on, that that yeah. same bandit shows up and they're like, oh, my God, it's you. <laughs> like, we did this. <laughs> We're the reason this is happening. 
Yep. <clears throat> in in the uh, in the recent campaign I had that ended uh, at the very very beginning, there was a, a paladin that the the characters were were friends with, sort of, and uh, uh, one of the characters was less scrupulous, and so he he uh, he lifted a knife off of this paladin. You know, mm-hmm. just pickpocket him. You know, take take this this nice, really shiny dagger from him, and and didn't think much of it. You know, wasn't a big deal at the time. <clears throat> and then later they found him dead in an alley. Uh, he he'd been ripped open by a uh, what turned out to be a werewolf, and he was he was gripping his empty scabbard where the oh, dagger had no. been. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> take a so, drink. Yeah, so so he he, he ended he ended up be, being uh, uh, revived by his order, but uh, he had never been the same. And uh, uh, and over through emergent play, at the very end, this this character came back. Uh, he had faked his own death, like there was a, there was a scene in the uh, uh, maybe three quarters of the way through the campaign where they learned that this. Paladin had committed suicide because he couldn't live with being a uh, a werewolf, you know. Mm-hmm. Which, um, and so he had killed himself, and they had to deal with this sort of trauma. And and it, I, I did it more as, as sort of an aside. Um, and so they they dealt with it. They they uh, they did some great role play. But then at the end, I brought him back because he he had faked his death so that he could exact revenge on these people who had. Uh, cursed him like this had taken mm-hmm. away his his uh who he was basically i think man that's awesome i think one of the the biggest downsides of villains is a lot of times um they're not defined enough <clears throat> and they're therefore they're easy it's easy for players characters to talk them out of it mm-hmm. like why would you want to do this to the world you're going to die too you know or something like that yeah and the revenge villain is one that makes everything easier for the GM. Yeah. Because there's no talking this person out of this. They they have their reason and you can't erase what that reason is. So uh mm-hmm. that that's super helpful for a dungeon master. Yeah. It's not yeah. like I'm I'm destroying the world because I want to. It's I'm destroying the world because, you know, my family was killed or, yeah. you know, I mm-hmm. my my fortune was stolen or my house was burned down or whatever. Like they they have a go to uh, motivation that, and like you're saying, Barker, like even if the players try to talk him out of it, it's like mm-hmm. he, the villain is so relatable, and that feeling of vengeance, that feeling of of getting people back for what they've done to you, is so sympathetic because everyone has felt that at some point in their life. Yeah, the the, the cool thing about the revenge villain too is that even though they're they tend to be focused on you know, getting back at someone or some organization or some government or whatever it happens to be, um, usually the trauma that drove them to that uh, causes them to do other stuff as well. Like you said, they may be out to destroy the world, but they want this particular person to suffer yeah. while mm-hmm. it's happening, <laughs> you know. So that, that that's where the difference comes in when you have, a, you know, someone who is has singled out a person or a group. And if you're in a game, again, if you can make that, someone who is either important to the to the player characters or the player characters themselves it becomes immensely more powerful and and uh um can make for a great uh campaign and and ultimately the ending yeah absolutely 
What do you guys think are some good uh, revenge-based characters in fiction? Like, for some reason, my mind... She's not a villain, per se, but my mind keeps going back to Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that movie yeah. series, which is just yeah. awesome. I love that series. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, that is a, a great example of, you know, a revenge story. Um, mm-hmm. But what's what's an example of a good revenge villain, like... Captain Hook. Mm. I keep I keep coming up with like antiheroes when I'm thinking about it. Like I I, I immediately went to John Wick, who, you know, kills eighty people because they killed his dog. So, mm-hmm. and that's like an just awesome revenge story. But like villains, nothing readily springs well, to mind. It, it's funny because I, not you know actually thinking about it, and I I think so many people we might consider revenge villains are only villains when you are the object of their revenge. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, um, if you look at Unforgiven, you know, that, 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 uh, uh, awesome Clint Eastwood movie where, you know, he, he, uh, uh, <laughs> this is a great scene where his, his friend has been, they, they take on a, a job to basically, uh, you know, assassinate these people and his friend is killed and, and he's just, you know, um, he knows his, his friend has been killed by these, uh, by the sheriff and he's uh, he's yelling out at the people outside, you know, to just, you know, they better not shoot at him because if they do, he's going to, you know, kill them and then, you know, uh, kill his family and then burn his house down. You know, <laughs> he's not going to he's not going to stop. He was not a nice guy, but he was ultimately, I guess, the protagonist of the of the movie. Right. Even, even though he had this 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 darkness to him. And I think that's where um, that we see most revenge characters you know, going in that they're almost they're they they walk a really fine line between here between antihero and villain. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, well, because I, and I, because yeah. because you can't understand them. Exactly, I, I think that is just the fact that we're not that nothing readily springs to mind that's a straight up villain in yeah. media is just is for that reason it. They, it's they're so compelling and they have such good reasons that it really is like well where is their where is their ire being directed because yeah. that's gonna that you know some people are gonna see this person as a hero and some of them are gonna see it as a villain and I think that's yeah. important to remember about a vengeance villain is that you know not everyone sees in black and white you know yeah I think the ones that you can see as the, as the villain is when either well like I said when it's directed at you obviously this mm. person is trying to kill you so he's the villain. But also, if it's directed at a bigger target, like uh, like a country, for example, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, let's say uh, the CIA sent some spy into a country uh, on a on a on a bad mission, and the guy allegedly got killed, and then he comes back to, you know, attack attack the U.S. because of what they did to him. You know, clearly a revenge right. villain, but because it's directed at a bigger target, it's easier to sort of make them into a villain, I guess. Yeah. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some things in a, a game? Because it's occurring to me, I really mm-hmm. like the idea of dividing our villains up this, in, into, you know, different, like yeah. a whole series of villains. Anti-hero villains, revenge villains, you know, just plain power, evil. Power-based. Yeah, yeah. power-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a chance that, you know, we'll we'll have episodes that are a little bit shorter than usual. So I just want to, you know, we have a bunch of time here. So my question is, what are some things in a fantasy setting, let's say, and then we'll, you know, we can talk about different, not necessarily yeah, yeah. a fantasy setting, but your usual role-playing game. Um, 
what are some things that a villain might be out for revenge over that would include the players? Oh, here's a great one. Um, in the recent reboot of the Star, uh, Star Trek franchise, you had the, uh, the Romulan. Oh, shit, I forget his name off the top of my head. Uh, Nero. Nero, yes. yeah, where, uh, where his world was destroyed and he blamed Spock. Mm. Right, and so he he you know he, he pursued Spock back in time, and to make him suffer, he made he destroyed Vulcan, yeah. you know, and so you know that's that's a great idea for for a villain because although his his uh, hate was directed specifically at Spock, you know he was willing to destroy an entire species to make him suffer for it so that yeah, he would exactly. understand his pain, and so that's a great example of. Uh, of that sort of, you know, revenge villain. Um, well, and then that's, it's great too, because after he destroys Vulcan, instead of being like, okay, well, I'm done. He was like, well, you know who else didn't help me? The Federation. I'm going to go destroy Earth. You know, yeah. like, it's just like, he's just on a rampage and he can't be mm-hmm. stopped. And at that mm-hmm. point, you're like, okay, now your your vengeance is costing, you know, millions of people their lives. So we need to, we need to put a stop yeah, to you, no matter usually, how sympathetic you are. That's usually yeah. where the player characters end up in the fray. You know, yeah. like it's not usually that the villain is like, I'm going to get these player characters no matter what I do. No, it, <laughs> it's it's I'm, I got this. Now I'm going to get everybody I, I, yeah. because I've got nothing else. I'm going to get everybody because, oh, you know what? I can illogically yeah. uh, I can I can create this train of thought that links everybody to why this happened and go to hell society. That type of thing. Yeah. Well, that's it, because once someone is bent on on vengeance, that that fire sort of burns in them and then. You know, even even once they take that revenge, they can't let it go. Yeah. You know, it, it, they they can't go back to the way they were, and so they have they still have this rage because you know, vengeance never is never going to fix things. It's never right. going to bring the people back who went. It's never going to make you yeah. feel better. Ultimately, all it's going to do is make you f- maybe feel satisfaction for a short time, but ultimately, mm-hmm. you're still going to have that rage, and and it's going to be directed somewhere. And so, yeah, you're going to start going after others. Exactly. Yeah. And you're justified however you need to to make it work. Exactly. Well, and I, I do like the idea, too, that, like, uh, <laughs> vengeance isn't necessarily directed at the player characters at first. Um, I've, yeah. I'm always a fan of, like, the player characters getting kind of caught up in something that doesn't immediately concern them. Right. Um, like, uh, in the Provokers campaign, you know, the Provokers are just meeting in a tavern, and they end up, you know, later on running afoul of this guy, the corruptor and the corruptor's like, who are these guys? I don't care. I'm going to, you know, swat you aside like flies and keep doing what I'm doing. But because they keep getting in his way, all of a sudden he's just like, okay, these guys need to be dealt with. They're, they're becoming an an obstacle towards my goal. And like now this, all of this rage, all of this, you know, uh, fury that I have is going to be directed at them to some extent. Yeah. I mean, and that's true of any, any revenge villain, you know, if, if you're getting in the way of them exacting their revenge, then they're going to see you as part of the, uh, as a target. Yeah, part yeah. of the problem. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. You know, I, I really like the idea of, you know, including in these, in this series, um, you know, just different thoughts about villains in general. Um, and, you know, what do you guys think about pacing? Because um, here's the thing is, the corruptor, we fought him in session three. Mm-hmm. Mm. would have been a, a lot you know I think that was it would have been a lot less exciting if we fought him in session one yeah so yeah. like at what point revenge villain in particular at what point does that type of villain come into play 
I think it's important to, if you're going to have a reoccurring villain, something that you want to have some staying Mm. power, you have the party witness the effects of that villain before they see the villain. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You want to see the aftermath of what the villain is capable of. So in the case of the Provokers, they show up to the town of Brook and they see that it's just completely devastated. They see what this villain is capable of so that when they finally meet the villain, they're like, oh, shit, this is the guy that did all of that stuff, mm-hmm. and now we're having to deal with him. So I think that you want, you almost want to see the end game first. You want to show the PCs, hey, this is what this person is capable of. This is what yeah. could happen uh, if, if this person is not stopped. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a few. There's a few ways you can do it. There's one that's like like this one is this the slow burn where, you know, you keep getting in their way, you keep getting in their way, and finally they they realize that you're someone they have to take out, and so now you're the object of their revenge, whatever it happens to be. If you after you spoiled enough of their plans, I guess. And uh, but then there are others where you know, kind of like the one I mentioned, where it was, you know, something happened at the very beginning of the campaign. And they didn't think about it too much anymore until right. the end. And so there's the there could be the uh, there were hints of him sort of interfering in their in their lives, which they might have discovered if they had dug deeper. Right. But uh, but they ended up not doing that. And so uh, so you can have that kind of big surprise ending where you know this person that you wronged a long long time ago has has been sort of trying to get you or perhaps manipulating you or whatever it happens to be until the end when they finally reveal themselves and, you know, now you're mine, blah, blah, blah. Right, right, yeah. You know, cue big vengeance speech. Yeah. <laughs> monologue. Cue the monologue, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, on top of uh, especially what Matt said, and you actually talked about this a little bit too, Alex, is that, you know, letting them see the, letting your characters <clears throat> or your players see the aftermath of the villain before they meet yeah. the villain uh, themselves is uh, super good. But also, <clears throat> um, have that be a constant, you know. Yeah. Just mm. because there's a villain doesn't mean your characters have to fight the villain all the time. Maybe the characters are going to have to fight what the villain sends forward. Yeah. Uh, maybe the villain has control of people, has control of uh, magic, has control of you know a, a cult of twelve dark wizards, and the players' uh, characters have to fight them uh, one by one. You know before they mm-hmm. can finally get to know where the villain actually is. You know, so um, yeah. maybe the the villain is incorpor- incorporeal. Uh, so or, or perhaps. Uh, like some side, some sort of holographic, because mm. um, they're on a different plane of existence. Like uh, there are a lot of different ways to keep the villain from dying, because that's yeah. the big <laughs> problem yeah. in role playing games. Is well, I have this big villain, and I love my villain, and then what happens mm. when the characters kill my villain? <laughs> and I think the answer to that question is, let your villain die. Yeah. Yeah, I have a great example of that from uh, a previous campaign where the uh, the player characters had 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 slain a dragon, Carathus, and uh, um, it, it was a big deal. And over time, they had sort of you know got they had moved on, but the uh, the cult of Carathus, who had been who had worshipped him as as a sort of god, this this dragon, they uh, uh, they were all. Uh, 
you know, they all had a dragon bloodline in them from Carathis. And mm-hmm. so they, 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 uh, they were all trying to, they were all necromancers. And they were all trying to resurrect him, you know, bring him back. And so each one of them was trying to get um, some of the remains of Carathis that the party had sort of harvested from him. Because, you know, it was enough to, to bring him back. And so there was this long sort of process of them, each each member of this cult trying to get this from him. And to ultimately bring back this this ancient dragon that would eventually destroy them if they, you know, if it was restored. Mm-hmm. And so um, you had not, not, the, uh, not the great villain itself sort of harassing them but all its minions who are trying to yeah uh, you know bring his great return that sort of thing yeah well and it's it's important too to um have the villain always be acting even when he's mm. off screen like things yeah. should always be yeah. happening and yeah. it's like if the party is going around doing stuff the villain is too and mm-hmm. i like the idea of the villain always being just a couple steps ahead of the party you know like the the party can throw wrenches in the works and and uh, set the villain's plans back and uh, possibly even stop portions of the villain's plan but the but the villain is a villain for a reason and you mm-hmm. know they should always they should always be uh, a little bit ahead of the party um, yep. until the point where you want that final showdown to happen and so that's a good way to yeah. to keep the villain alive if you really want them to and also just on that same note like give your villain a way to get out of there if they need to like if your villain mm-hmm. is smart they would have some sort of way of well if i need to last resort i can always use this item or you know get away using this spell or mm-hmm. you know whatever and at the same time though is if if it's the fourth time your characters the characters are fighting this villain and mm-hmm. for the fourth straight time the villain uses the ring of teleportation and gets out mm-hmm. of there it's after a while it's going to be like god dang it really like yeah and that's uh, that's i think too that don't put your villain in front of your players if you're not comfortable with them potentially killing him. You know, yeah. you have to you have mm-hmm. to prepare for that eventuality. And sure. Like you're saying, Barker, right? like you don't just keep throwing the villain at the party and then having to go <laughs> next time, provoke us <laughs> <laughs> and get on the Griffin and fly away. But, yeah. <laughs> well, that, well, that's the weird thing about minions, though. You know, yeah. the, the yeah. bad guy can send in tons of million minions to to harass tons of millions. And, <laughs> no, Alex. Millions, millions of minions. Millions, yes. and millions <laughs> of minions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they can send a lot of minions, mm-hmm. let's say it that way, to, yeah. uh, you know, to either try and kill the the characters or at least uh, capture them or whatever mm-hmm. it is the, the bad guy is trying to do. Because odds are it, it's... It's going to be suffering because it's always better when when the big bad guy wants the characters to suffer first mm-hmm. before he kills them because um, it's it, it's going to dr- it, it, I don't want to say drag it out because that sounds but it fairly will neg- fairly negative but but to draw it out yeah. to draw it out to more yes. to more to a more interesting campaign yes. if he wants the 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 player characters to suffer first mm-hmm. to understand his pain before he kills them yeah. because otherwise you know he could just you know, set some sort of, you know, huge, you know, uber trap that just destroys an entire city and, you know, kills them with it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Something Matt said earlier about, you know, have the villain always be doing something in the background. He's always acting, even when the players aren't near him. And you know what? This is a strategy that I use for villains and pretty much everything, the the world at large, is I buy those, uh, those month 
long agenda planners, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have basically 12 pages in it, you know, mm-hmm. January, February, March, April, May, et cetera. And mm-hmm. I turn that into mm-hmm. the calendar of my world. And I might right. scratch out the names of the months and rewrite the, you know, new names if my world has, you know, and K, it's Januath, not January. You know, there's different names <laughs> for the months. But then I'll, I'll write there, like, I'll keep track of where we are in the game. Like, let's say, okay, we're on January 4th. I know that on January 12th, there's going to be an assassination attempt against the king of this place. Yeah. If, uh, when that day comes around, if the characters are there, then, oh my gosh, they have a chance to stop it. If they are, yeah. you know, the next city over, they're going to hear about the king being assassinated on the news. Or not right. hear about it on the news, but, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be watching CNN, you know. <laughs> this is CNN NKA. Breaking news. <laughs> like, anyway, yeah, it's super shock value in NKA, but... Uh, but yeah, keep that calendar so you know what the villain is doing. That's like, a yeah, really good definitely. idea, Parker. Yeah, and so so uh, try that out and let us know how that works because yeah, you know I, I've been doing that for just a little while and it's worked really well for me. Something that I do is after every session that the villain didn't appear in, I write down three things that that villain was doing during that session mm-hmm. or in between sessions, and that's usually a, a good way of going about it too. Even if it's just like. Oh, he went here and he talked to this guy and then he sent this guy after the party, you know, just making sure that you're aware of what your villain is doing and how their plan is progressing. Because it's not like the villain is sitting there waiting like, I'm going to wait for this to happen when the PCs get here. I'm going to wait for the GM to let me know when I can appear. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) No, he's got to get his computer fixed. He's yeah. gonna like. <laughs> he's gonna good. go to. He's gonna go to right. Starbucks. He's, he's gonna got no. some shit to do. Yeah, exactly. But and and you know, going back really quick, like the minions thing is so it's so good because you it gives you an excuse to make more villains and villains yeah. that you're not totally like. Yes. Oh, I don't want this villain to die because every Darth Vader needs a Boba Fett. Like every villain needs mm-hmm. some <laughs> badass that they can send after the party that the party can be like, who the hell is this guy now? Why are we fighting him? Uh, and it's uh, it's always fun to come up with that stuff. And something cool to do is to introduce the players to that uh, Boba Fett first. So then the players are like, oh, my gosh, this villain, he's so evil. And then when you yeah. realize that he's just working for somebody else. He's working else, for the other guy. It's yeah. like, oh, crap. Well, that's right. Yeah, you, fi- you find the receipt where he was hired to kill you. It's like, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. Who paid for this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. Um <laughs> So, uh, I think we should take a question from the audience because, you yes. know, we're, I think we should save some of these broad villain thoughts for future mm. villain episodes. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, the first question, uh, I think we can take two, uh, perhaps. Sure. Uh, the first question is from Sam D., uh, who has got the most likes on our Facebook page. Again, facebook.com slash die. Once a week, we will post our topic, and you can post any questions you have, and the one with the most likes gets in. So, Sam D. asks... When is the best time to hey, when is the best time to present your players to the main villain in a campaign? <laughs> Meaning, if you have a villain that you don't intend to uh, to have them have a real showdown with until maybe level ten, do you avoid a direct meeting until later levels? Uh, maybe relying on rumors, chance sightings, and horror stories to build up the tension, making the vengeance part of all three <laughs> these stories. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, Sam, you kind of answered your question. You in that answered conference. your own question, sort of. buddy. That's exactly Although, what you do. Yeah. One, one thing, one thing that I like to do when I can is to have them introduced very, you know, kind of very early, but as a friend. You know, they they they, they may, maybe come to them and uh, 
you know, present themselves more as an ally, and they they try and uh, uh, kind of, you know, they seem to be helping them for a long time. You know, maybe it's a mentor, maybe it's a, um, a patron or whatever it happens to be, but someone who seems to be helping them for a long time, but is ultimately leading them into his, you know, his ultimate punishment for what they've, you know, whatever they've done. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I like that idea. But I like what you're saying, Sam. You're like, um, r- rumors are good. Chance sightings. Mm-hmm. Uh, careful yeah. with chance sightings because, you know, some players will be like, I chase him down. And you'll be like, oh, yeah. crap, the player, the character is faster than my villain. Like, yeah. So, uh, uh, one <laughs> the villain jumps on a bicycle. Yeah, exactly. But even, but even just references to them in, in uh, cryptic notes, you yeah. know, uh, um, we, mu- we must be wary because the, uh, you know, the black star is watching or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it happens to be, you know, just, just these mentions of it that, that, that again, ultimately are going to lead you to it. Exactly. So, you know, so you, so you're hearing things about it first, and then, uh, you know, if they do some historical research, maybe they find references there. So, mm-hmm. all all these things can kind of lead them towards their ultimate goal of, con- you know, confronting the villain. In the Winds of Sir Celine game that I'm running with uh, Tabletop <clears throat> Terrors and Matt, uh, the villain in that game, you know, it's we just got to session six, and just now the villain kind of a- appears. Not really appears, actually, but. This is the first time that they know, like, they okay, mention him. Yeah, that this person <clears throat> exists. And, um, but at the same time, every single session you have, like, and, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but every single session you guys have felt his presence by seeing the forest becoming dark and evil and yeah. stuff like that. Like, mm. something's up. And right. now yeah. it's like, okay, it's a person. So the villain can be there without ever having to be there. Well, and exactly. it's it's cool too because it's a he's a former member of a group that you introduced to us a couple sessions ago. Mm-hmm. So then when we learn, oh, he's like the you know one, a member of this group that we didn't know about. Now it's you know it's that kind of helps with the the build up too, and the and the realization that you know that is the villain mm-hmm. um, is more rewarding. Cool. But yeah, Sam, good job. You really answered your own question there. <laughs> so yeah, everything you said, man. In fact, you gave me some in- inspiration there. We yeah. like those. I like the horror <laughs> stories. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so Justin H. asks, well, actually, he just says, how lawful good makes great villains? So hmm. let me ask you guys a question because... Sure. Uh, my stereotypical ass might have some difficult with this difficulty uh-huh. with this. Uh, how? What's a good way to make a lawful good villain? Well, again, it's like Alex was saying earlier. Like it's all about how they're directing their energy. If a lawful good person is directing what is perceived as good intentions to somebody else against you know people or a place that the characters care about, then that person suddenly becomes the antagonist even yeah. if they're a lawful good person like let's say i uh i'm trying to support or my character is trying to support their family because my family is starving and maybe my son got into bad dealings with the mob and mm-hmm. so i in order to uh keep my son alive and repay this debt i actually have to get involved with the mob and work for a, a big time mobster and yeah. so one day I'm at work and this guy walks in with a pump action shotgun and he has a skull on the front of his black t-shirt and he starts putting shells in every single person. He starts shooting at me. <laughs> that guy's a bad guy, but that guy's the punisher. 
Yeah. Like, so yeah. we never think of that guy as a bad guy, but to me, right. I'm just trying to save my son's <clears throat> life. So he's yeah. a villain. Well, and in uh, that's, a, that's a great example, Barker. Mm-hmm. In uh, in Aranoth, mm-hmm. in my homebrew setting, there's the convocation, which is you know the the knights of the realm. They're the Jedi mm-hmm. knights. But uh, a couple decades ago, in the current timeline, they set fire to an entire forest and killed a bunch of elves because of a war that was going on that they had to stop. And like they were acting on orders they were doing their lawful duty but the elves didn't see it that way they yeah. don't think that's very cool at all <laughs> dicks <laughs> yeah because lawful good doesn't necessarily mean that you have good judgment yeah mm-hmm. you know you can still be manipulated you can still be uh become a victim of your own um uh your own pain yeah yeah and so you know, a lawful good character can still become the villain. Yeah, uh, certainly, certainly from, from from one point of view. Absolutely. Well, one thing I might try, uh, and so it's hard for me to recommend it because I haven't tried it, but I think I will. Is you know, I'm not big on alignment, but I can see its benefits. Mm-hmm. But you know, make a new line on your character sheet and put motivation there because yeah. Yeah. we'll say like, let's say my character in the Provokers game, Dice, he. You know, his alignment is probably, I would say, uh, neutral good or something, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the the same time, he could do some really heinous stuff because his motivation is protecting his daughter. And if his daughter is in danger, even if it's good people that are, you know, doing stuff that that may be putting her in danger, he's going to put a stop to that no matter what. So maybe add that motivation line on a character sheet of an NPC or even your – even the characters that are around the table uh, and see how that works. I think that's, that might be a good idea. That's Mm -hmm. like, I just, I just rolled up my first edge of the empire character and I was just so in love with the obligation and motivation system. Yes. Uh, Where the obligation is like the thing, the thing that is chasing you, the thing that is bogging you down, the thing that you're trying to escape and your motivation is your reason for being out here and doing things. And um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a really, it's just a really beautiful way to have something other than alignment tell you what yeah. is directing your character. Yeah, and, and it doesn't have to be mechanic based either. It can be very, you know, it can just be part of your character background or whatever you yeah. write up for your character. You know, in in Edge of the Empire, it happens to be more mechanic based, but it doesn't have yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Ed, Edge of the Empire, I found, does a really good job at combining mechanics and narrative. Yeah. 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 They work they don't feel like two separate things. They feel like they're one and the same and yeah. that they're not they're not working against each other but instead working in tandem. Hand so, in hand yeah. for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you guys want to create a revenge villain? Yes. Yes. Uh, Alex. Yeah, okay. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. <laughs> Watch your ass. <laughs> dude, right. That's like three movies oh. I've talked about today that I've seen. I know. <laughs> I know, dude. I know. I'm knocking yeah. them out. Okay. Some I think you're trying too hard, but go ahead. Alex. <laughs> Why you gotta bring me down, man? <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> I wish I didn't sign that roll up and die contract that says I won't watch any movies to preserve my character in the in the podcast. <laughs> you need to stay in character, man. I hope the t shirt sales are worth it, Alex. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. First up right. is oh. Matt. Okay, so this revenge villain 
is a character who was once a mentor of one of the player characters. Um, I think that maybe uh, he was the sword master of the party's fighter, a well-respected warrior, uh, well-known for his prowess with the blade, uh, known to be the deadliest with a sword as as anyone uh, in, the, uh, in the realm. But uh, something has turned him and uh, he is out for vengeance now, and the party must make a difficult decision about uh, getting in his way or not. Okay. Awesome. Let's see what happened that made him full of vengeance. Alex, that's you. Okay. Uh, so uh, what happened was there was a necromancer who had uh, gone after the, uh, uh, the city that, you know, that the the party and, and this and this uh apprentice is sort of based out of and and the uh uh he had a a family there and uh the the party had to make a choice it was either stop this necromancer from releasing this plague upon the city or this guy's family died mm. and they had to make that they had to make that mm. di- incredibly difficult decision of you know do do we save you know thousands of people or do we let these people die and mm. ultimately they chose to save uh to save the city which uh um obviously did not sit well with the the vil- the soon to be villain i guess awesome cool sweet okay that's me uh i'm going to say that this party um Actually, uh, you know, this, this sword master, he teaches lots of people or has taught lots of people. And those people are trained by him and he is paid by the local government it, uh, to train these people as uh, warriors for the guard, for uh, the, the guilds, things like that. And the party by, you know, in, in his eyes, getting his family killed. Um, it's not just the party's fault, but uh, they have they have the support of the guilds that he has been training these swordsmen for. So, in revenge or in vengeance, he is going to trail and track down every single swordsman that he has ever trained, and he is going to kill them uh, to get back not only at the party themselves, but at uh, the governing figures that have. Uh, paid him for his services nice man that's awesome and if i could also toss some more stuff in i think uh that the the sword master would be uh extremely angry at uh, necromancers in general uh Mm. any necromancer and so you have sort of this thing where the party might come across a dead necromancer who has been Mm. horribly tortured and killed and the party has to go well this guy was technically evil, but he died horribly. Yeah. And the swordmaster killed him just out of rage and vengeance, and not any any sort of noble, you know, need to kill this guy. So, oh, maybe uh, I think that would be cool too. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> that's what kind of starts off the adventure is they find this dead necromancer and realize that not only is he kind of an evil necromancer, but he um, was once part of a local adventurers guild. And mm-hmm. through that, nice. can can find out that he was trained at this facility, and then they'll find mm-hmm. this person. But of course, uh, 
uh, well, actually, there they would find out that this mentor of the fighter is kind of the evil, the evil doer, perhaps. So. Yeah, and nice. I just I love the idea of the the fighter having to fight his former master, and it's kind of the a, a flip on the old like evil apprentice thing where like the student goes bad. I like the idea of the teacher going bad and like yeah. the student having to take him down. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I am. I like st- it. I'm stealing that <clears throat> idea. I don't know about you guys, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you everybody for tuning in to Roll Up and Die tonight. Sorry you had to deal with my mishmishness uh, near the beginning, but uh, <laughs> thankfully for I'm so thankful look, for, look, for, very look for the subtitles term. on our yeah. On our, uh, site <laughs> <laughs> I'm very thankful for uh, Matt and Gothnog for uh, pulling the cart. And uh, super motivating me to to get off my butt and, and get in this podcast and make something pretty cool. So, uh, again, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Absolute Tabletop. My name is Parker. <laughs> and my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And um, do you have an ending? Oh, how, how, about, how about like a, a dramatic, uh, you know dying villain ending okay cool so i'm gonna pretend to stab you and you make a dying villain sound me or alex uh, matt uh matt. Okay. okay so here it comes okay all right oh return someday <laughs> <laughs> For your consideration. (laughs) This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2015. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.